Are you tormented in your mind? Some days you feel like yourself, and some days you just feel like you don't have the control. You feel that others look at you thinking that you're not normal. Good morning and welcome to God's Resistance. God's Resistance is local in Wilkesbury and Wyoming Valley and spreading elsewhere. If you need someone to talk to or pray with and are interested in joining a small group to help you live as a disciple of Christ, then stay tuned for contact info. My name is Eric Samborski, and I want to thank you for tuning into God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the devil, and the world. You can hear us every Sunday. We're here on WITK 1550 AM and 94.7 FM every Sunday at 9 AM. And if you miss the radio program, then look for the God's Resistance podcast on your favorite podcast platform and YouTube at 9 a.m. every Sunday, where these are uploaded, and you're going to find other content on there as well. You can find us at godsresistance.com, that's our hub, and on Facebook, Gab, Gab TV, and YouTube at God's Resistance. That is spelled G-O-D-S-R-E-S-I-S-T-A-N-C-E. Make sure to like, follow, and turn on notifications for helpful spiritual content. You can contact us at gods.resistance at gmail.com, or give us a call at 570-362-7782. You will also find us in the Wilkes-Barre Public Square at 11 a.m. every Sunday morning and at Kirby Park at the Pavilion uh, just behind the baseball field at uh, 6 p.m. So we hope to see you there. Now let's listen in on today's briefing. There are a lot of mental disorder these days, and I think some of them are fairly legitimate. I'm not discounting the fact that there are legitimate mental disorders, but I think a lot of times, especially in the Western world, we just think we chalk everything up to mental disorders when there's actual demonic activity that's going on inside of people's lives. I just want to tell you, dear listener, if there's demonic activity going on in your life, whether it be that you're possessed and you feel like you're trapped, a prisoner of your own body, or you just feel like there's demonic activity and oppression that's coming upon you, you can be free. Now, I'm not somebody that goes around finding demons and all that. I'm just saying that if we're Christians and we look at the Bible, we have to take that into account, that these things are very real in our present day. If you go to the foreign mission fields, you go to just any foreign country, demonic activity, people see that, know what it is, and they don't have any problem saying it. But in Western cultures, we think, oh, that's just, you know, spiritualism or mythology or whatever else. And I think a lot of the times we do a great disservice because we're trying to fight a war where people were saying they have mental disorders and yet they're being tormented inside of their souls. You can be free. Where no one else knows how to help you, that's the psychiatrist or anybody else, Jesus knows how to help you. And when Jesus helps you, he is effective he can get the job done. So we are looking in Mark chapter 1, verses 21 through 28, and Luke 4, 31 through 37. These have been synthesized together so as to give us this account. And they went into Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and immediately he entered the synagogue, that is Jesus, and was teaching them on the Sabbath. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And in the synagogue, there was a man who had the unclean spirit of a demon. And he cried out with a loud voice. And he said, let us alone. What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? 
I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit of a demon had thrown him down, convulsing in their midst, crying out with a loud voice, he came out of him, having done him no harm. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this word? A new teaching with authority and power? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him, and they come out. And at once, his fame, that is Jesus, spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. So let's dive right in. I'm going to break it up in a few different ways, but we're first looking at the teaching that happened in the synagogue. So here Jesus goes into a town, Capernaum. That's where Peter lived. That's where Peter's house was. And and Jesus often went to Peter's house to stay. He didn't really have a house of his own. And he had already done some miracles in Capernaum. And the people here in Nazareth, as we're told, as what we just read, or excuse me, the people in um, Capernaum, they weren't hard-hearted like the people that dwelt in Nazareth, his hometown. So we see these two differences between these two places. And as is usual, Jesus was coming to the Jews first. He could have helped countless different people. But we read in the New Testament that judgment begins in the house of God, and the house of God in Jesus' time began with the Jews. So Jesus was coming to the Jews first. They were probably, there were probably Gentiles that feared God that were around just the same uh, in the synagogues because that did happen. There were those that it said the, the, that there were the, those that feared God. That w- refers to the people of the nations, the Gentiles. And this is like Jesus, what Jesus was doing is like going to the religious and those disposed that would want to go to a place of worship. That's where Jesus focuses his attention first. He's not just going to the people that have never heard the message of salvation, never heard anything about God, but he's going to the place where people have an appetite, a hunger. After all, they made it all the way to the synagogue because of the hunger. And hungry souls, they came to the synagogue, whether or not they were Jews. That's That's what they did in those days, and it still happens in these days. Jesus would turn away nobody that wanted him. So he ends up going to the synagogue on the Sabbath. Now that's very intentional. It was intentional on Jesus' part that the miracle, first of all, that he went on the Sabbath because people were there, but also that this miracle was performed on the Sabbath in the synagogue. And uh, we're not going to really dive deep into that because I think I'm going to save that for another encounter with Christ. There's some other uh, times where this has happened, and I, I just want to bring that out clearly and really spend some time on it. So we'll deal with that at a later time. But there he is on the Sabbath at a synagogue, and then we see all of a sudden, as he's there, the authority of his teaching coming out. Now, when Jesus stood up, read the scroll, and when he taught, his, his speech, as the people declared, was so different than the lifeless Pharisees' speech. Now, they had gone to, you know, certain doctors of divinity of their days, the rabbis that were scholars, and they had prestige. And, you know, the more things change, the more they stayed the same. We still have the same thing going on in our world right now. But these Pharisees, they spent all this time studying the scriptures and all, but they were void of authority and power. How do we know? Because the people, when they heard Jesus said, he has authority and power. 
and he's not like the Pharisees over there. So they noticed something was different. What, what was different? The people were astonished at the authority in his teaching. Now, his teaching in and of itself, in some respect, could be somewhat revolutionary, but it was the authority in the teaching that was the marked aspect that these people found. What was it? What was that authority? Well, people can have degrees behind their names, but if they do not have the fullness of the Spirit of God, their words, they're flat and they're lifeless. But when God owns somebody's words, then people know in their very heart of hearts that the words that they speak are truth and they're coming from heaven down to them as they're listening. There is a certain ownership of the Spirit of God on people's words when he is pleased with their words, when he's pleased with their lives. And so the Pharisees, they said they love God in words. As Jesus said, you draw nigh to me with your lips, with your mouth, but your heart's far from me. Those people whose hearts are far from God, they don't have that special authority. They don't have that ownership of the Spirit upon their words. They are just that, the empty, void shell of a person without the authority and power of God. And these Pharisees were largely in the positions that they held at that time for themselves, and they weren't there for the glory of God. And when people are self-serving, there is no blessing or anointing from God upon their lives. And it's apparent to everybody else. I was talking with a man down in the square, I don't know, it was probably two or three weeks ago. And he said, the church is so messed up, and I can't remember what country he was from, but he said, the church is so messed up here in America. He said, people here, they're trying to get all these positions because they want money, because they want power, but they want fame. He said, and that's not the gospel. The gospel is not for money and power and fame. And you know what? We see it happening with the Pharisees in those days. They wanted money, power, and fame, and it's no different in our days right now. There are those that seek after those things, and you know, any thinking person can look at somebody and realize they're in it because of reality, or they're in it because of themselves, money, fame, whatever. These people that were hearing Jesus in the synagogue, they knew that he wasn't there for power, position, or fame. But when he spoke, there was authority, as we've been saying. Be careful with the love for intellectualism. Study and degrees can become an idol if you're not careful. And so I'm just saying, don't seek after those things as the purpose and aim of your life because you can get all these degrees behind you and yet still be just as ignorant about spiritual things and yet still be void of the power of God in your lives. And you can just add degree upon degree upon degree. Unfortunately, I believe that is at large what is happening in the Christian church throughout America. It's like people can't settle for just having the anointing of God on themselves and being what God wants them to be to spread the kingdom. Instead, they're looking around to get another master's, another doctorate, another this or another that, always learning and never able to come to the truth. I, I, I fear that that is essentially where we are in America at large. But this message is for you this morning, dear listener. You don't have to have all that. You can have God, and you can have the authority and power of God in your life because you're following him, because he's done a radical change in your life, because he's softened your heart and filled you with himself. Then you can be effective for God. So be careful with the love for intellectualism and having that become an idol, because that is, th that is where the Pharisees were at large. 
All of this was idolatry in their sights, though they were blind to it and didn't even know that that was happening. So we see, there he goes teaching. We see the authority of his teaching. And we see the authority over men. So the scribes, so the the teaching in and of itself had authority, but then he had authority over men. The scribes, they worked at their jobs and positions meticulously and yet did not have the authority that Jesus had. How do you know that, you might say? Well, the overall effect on the people was that they were astonished at Jesus' teaching. They were shocked. They were in awe. They were speechless. They didn't even know what to say. And they had no doubt been in the synagogue so many times before listening to these boring Pharisees preaching. And you know what? Sometimes we hear a dynamic preacher or a dynamic speaker and we think, oh, he's of God. That's not true either. I mean, it could be true, but it's not always true. But nevertheless, these people had heard these Pharisees again and again and again speaking these things, and they probably went there just out of conscience sake, but none of the, the, the speech of the Pharisees had affected them the way Jesus' speech had. So people can have, uh, well, the authority was, in Jesus' case, not a lording it over, but rather the power of influence without having an official title, or an official position. You know, people can have the title of leader, and yet they're not leaders. They don't even know how to lead. People can have the title of some kind of authority position or figure, and yet they don't really have authority. People also may not have any title, and yet lead others, and have authority, and influence. And that is where Jesus is. And that's why the Pharisees were so angry. They worked so hard, got these positions, these authority, this authority. They got these titles on their names, and they loved all of that because it just inflated their pride. But here comes this peasant carpenter, Jesus of Nazareth. He comes in and speaks, and the people are immediately just latched onto him and think, man, something about this guy. And the Pharisees have jealousy rising up in their hearts because Jesus is effectively stripping away everything they ever worked for in such a short time. The common people have been around the Pharisees and scribes for so long, it seems as though they were numb to the Pharisees' message. And unless you're part of the elite class, it was almost impossible for you to follow God's laws. That's how they felt, you know, like, how am I going to obey the 650-something laws? And then the other books that they had, they made laws to obey God's laws and you know, the common people were like, man, I got a job. I got all this stuff. There's no way I can do all this stuff there. And Jesus never intended for that to be so. God never intended for it to be so that we have this long laundry list of rules that we're supposed to be following. He was after the heart. And when he's got the heart, you're going to live the life. So Jesus stripped the authority and power that the Pharisees had in the sight of the common people, and they were angry. In case you've just tuned in, You are listening to God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the world, and the devil. You can hear us every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK, 1550 a.m. and 94.7 FM. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at God's Resistance. That is G-O-D-S-R-E-S-I-S-T-A-N-C-E. You can also email us at gods.resistance at gmail.com or call us at 570-362-7782. So here we find Jesus. He's in the synagogue. He's teaching there. Then 
we find after that the authority that was in his words himself. Then we find that with that authority that came in his words, he had authority over men. He swayed men with that authority and power of his words. We also see something else in here. So here's all these encounters that Jesus is having, both with people that were astonished at his teaching and then with those that seemed to hate him and all of that. There's just a, a full spectrum and a mixture of reactions when people encounter Jesus. But now we're looking at this aspect, the authority that Jesus had over demons. The authority that Jesus had over demons. So in this account that we read, why was a man with an unclean spirit in the synagogue? Why was he there? Well, he must have had moments perhaps when his mind was more in a normal state because he was possessed by a demon. So there was a lot of times where he was probably just controlled and really had no say in the matter. But there were obviously times where his mind was clear and he was thinking, I need help. Or I mean, that's probably what brought him there. We read in, in Mark 1, uh, 23, and immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit and cried, and he cried out. So this man was in his right mind in the synagogue, it seems, until Jesus started preaching. I remember uh, I would go out, I used to live in Western Massachusetts, and I was out with some other friends at night. We had been praying at uh, their house. Then we went on the streets, uh, Pittsfield, Massachusetts, on North Street, which is not so great of an area. A lot of drugs, crime, a lot of messed up people with supposed mental disorders, and I don't doubt that there are some that were there, but there was a lot of weird stuff that happened. And I remember being out at night, we were talking to certain people, trying to talk to them about Christ, and there was this tall man, I can't remember what his name was, but he he had to be at least six foot seven, six foot eight, he was very tall. He was very pleasant when we were speaking with him, and then he started to say things like, uh, I, I guess my friend said, why are you here? You know, why are you out at this time of night walking around? And he said, because at night, all the voices that go in my head are insane. And he said, I just have to get out of the house because I can't stand it. He said, it's just like cuss words and nasty things going through my mind. And he said, it just drives me nuts to stay. So I go out and walk because I feel better. So we were talking with him a little bit more and we were talking with him about the things of God. And when I said something, about Jesus and about the blood of Jesus to free him from sin and to free him from all that stuff that was going on in his life, that man's demeanor changed from where it was before. Instead of him being somewhat level-headed and speaking, his eyes started darting back and forth. He started getting very antsy and not being able to stand still and moving around all over the place. And he got a little more edgy in his voice, you know, a little bit more mean kind of a tone in his voice. And as we started to talk with him and we asked, you know, could we pray for him or whatever, he got all crazy and then he just turned around and ran away. And upon reflecting of that, it seemed pretty apparent that there was some kind of demonic activity in that man's life because he was fine until we mentioned Jesus, the name of Jesus, and the blood of Jesus to cleanse and free him from that. Then he went crazy, kind of like this man. Another story, a friend of mine um, in Massachusetts, he used to carry, he made a wooden cross and he used to carry it around walking up and down that same street. 
And he did that because it was kind of like an easy way to start a conversation. He's carrying that. People know, okay, this is what he's about. It's kind of a spectacle. And he was able to get in a lot of conversations with people. I remember going with him at one time. And we were walking down a side street that came off of this North Street. And then this lady started howling and screaming from across the street. She was just, ah! And you're thinking, what in the world's going on? We turn over and we look over there and we say, what's going on? She goes, ah! she holds her fingers up and makes the sign of the cross with her fingers. And we said, come on over here. We'd like to talk with you. And she says, no, I've been on that cross so many times. I've died on that cross over and over and over again. And every time I, I look at the cross and I go to mass, I just die on it again and again and again. She was like, get away, get away, get away. She just went crazy. Now you can chalk that up to mental insanity. But why is there a mental insanity? Is it just a chemical imbalance? Why is it that these people are okay until something about Jesus comes up and then they go completely berserk? It seems to be that this is what's going on in Jesus' day. I remember another time, and this is a church that I was pastoring in central New York. Uh, the service had already been going on for a little bit, and there was a lady, and she was probably about 25 feet from where I was. So I'm up at the pulpit, and I'm leading the service. Then the lady just starts weeping. I mean, and it wasn't even just like a normal weeping. It was like a, and she was doing that. And I thought, this is quite odd. I don't really know what to do with this at the moment, but I was praying inwardly and I just felt like there's some weirdo demonic activity. And then she started talking to herself out loud. She was looking at other people and she was darting her head back and forth, very crazy. Like then she, then she started to ask. Um, when we had said, is there anything that anybody needs prayer for? Of course, people are saying, you know, pray for this, that, and the other, so many different things. This lady starts talking, and she says that she'd been talking with some deceased baby or child. I can't remember how old this one was, but apparently she was talking with some deceased child or baby or something like that, and she said it was scaring her half to death, and yet she couldn't get away from talking to her. And then she started to convey to us some messages that this deceased child was saying. And um, I tried to be as gracious as possible with all that's going on there. But then after I started uh, talking, I said, you know, Jesus and his blood can free us so that we are not tormented of the devil. I said something to that effect. And when I did that, that lady stood up from her seat, started pacing back and forth, she went to the door like she was going to leave. Then she'd come back up the aisle and she'd look at me and she looked all wild-eyed and crazy in her, in her, in her eyes and her face. It didn't look right. And then she'd walk and dart back to the door to go out. And then she'd come back and look at me again. And then I kept saying those things over and over again. And I, I think, if I remember correctly, at some point in there, I even prayed and asked that God would shelter us under the blood of Jesus Christ in that place. And the, the lady ended up leaving uh, the service at that time. All these illustrations, I'm just telling you, we can read this in the Bible and we can think, oh, that happened in the, in the Bible, but, you know, that's just mythology or craziness. I'm just telling you, this happened. Some of these things have happened, you know, within the last 10 years that I've told you. And there's probably more of them that I just can't think of right now. But when the name of Jesus was spoken, it caused a great commotion. Uh, I said the name of Jesus is spoken in my case, it caused a great commotion. But when Jesus spoke in this synagogue, that man cried out because he was possessed with some unclean or evil spirit. And here's what this evil spirit says as he's controlling this man, and this man's a, a prisoner in his own body. What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? 
I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Now, maybe he knew that he was Jesus of Nazareth because this was a man that had been in that hometown for a long, long time. Or maybe it was because the demons that were possessing this man knew that Jesus was this Messiah, that he was the Christ, the anointed one. And so maybe that's what's going on. I don't know. But the demon inside this man, he took control over this poor victim. And I've thought about that so many times. There's, there's so many people that are probably throughout our nation, I know throughout the world, that are prisoners in their own body and tormented by demonic activity. You can be free from that. Jesus can make you free. Jesus can help you, and he will help you. So this demon inside this man took control over the poor victim, and he was a prisoner in his own body. And up until this point, the demons had authority in this man. And nobody could stop the demons. Even if that man wanted out, he couldn't get out. Because if he could have gotten out, he would have got out of that situation a long time ago. Remember, his family and the town he grew up in despised him and didn't believe that he was the Messiah, speaking about Jesus. But the devils knew otherwise. So when he came, it made an uproar in the spiritual realms and where the devil was angry and these demons angry. And the devils realized that Jesus had authority over them. Remember the question that came out of that man's mouth? What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. They're terrified. So very clearly, we see Jesus' authority over demons here. The 25th verse of of Mark chapter 1, but Jesus rebuked him saying, be silent and come out of him. Not only was there recognized authority, but Jesus displayed it with his words, be quiet and come out of him, and then the following actions that took place because of Jesus' words. Suffering soul, Jesus has authority over the demons in your life and can remove them if you will but let him. And so what happened was the demon came out of that man with loud crying and convulsing convulsing the man's body, but ultimately... Those demons had no authority over the man because Jesus spoke. Jesus spoke. Then we see the reaction here. The authority of men and demons confirmed because of what the people said. Luke 4, 36. And they were all amazed and said to one another, What is this word? For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits. And they come out. First, they were amazed at the authority that was in Jesus' words alone. Second, they realized his word had power over demons. They felt the authority in his words, but then they saw it after he rebuked those demons out of that man who was filled with demons, and then he was in his right mind. Jesus has the authority because he's the ultimate sovereign and king over all things. There's no power on earth or in heaven that's above Jesus Christ. Jesus also has the display of power. So he's got the authority by right, but he also can display it and he shows it to people just like he's done there. In verse 37, and reports about Jesus went out into every place in the surrounding region. So this one encounter caused the fame of Jesus to spread even the more. And if you are dealing with demons, Jesus can so free you that everyone around you knows that the power of God has been displayed in your life, and that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. So, dear listener, I don't know where you are. 
I know there's a lot of people, there's a lot of ministry uh, things. You've probably seen it on the internet. Maybe you've even met some of these people where it's like they're going around hunting for demons. I am really in no business to do that. I don't want to do that. But I also want you to realize that a lot of times when people say there's mental disorders and all that, there's demonic activity in their life. Whether or not they're possessed or just oppressed by demonic activity, I don't know. But we cannot discount that. We can, we can look and see, okay, is there a physical cause for my troubles? If there are, then I should deal with it because physical causes can be uh, the factor with mental disorders that are in our lives. But also, don't discount the spiritual component of it because we're in a warfare with great evil that is you know, in the spiritual realms where you and I can't see with our human eyes. But if we ignore that, we also ignore the help and the cure that we could get from Jesus himself. Ultimately, he wants to dwell in the heart and not allow this demonic activity to take over. So if that's you, then you give your heart to Jesus. You cry out to him like this man did and see what Jesus will do for you. Your next step is to call 570-362-7782 or email gods.resistance at gmail.com. I want you to introduce yourself to me, set up a time to meet. I want to coach and help you further to walk with God. You can like and follow us, and I want you to on Facebook and YouTube and Gab for more teaching and preaching to help you on your journey and connect with others that are going through their journeys. Tell your friends about this broadcast every Sunday at 9 a.m. on 1550 a.m. and 94.7 f.m. And on social media, tell them about our social media accounts as well. But above all, join the resistance, God's resistance. A special thank you to Spectacular Sound Productions for giving permission to the use of the song Heroes and Monsters, which was edited and used in part on this production. The permission